This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. As survivors of childhood trauma, we have been conditioned to expect bad things to happen. We are often overwhelmed by negative expectations about our lives, our relationships, and about trying new things. Because the brain gets programmed to expect negativity, our feelings, thoughts, and behaviors reinforce unwanted outcomes, and the negativity loop continues. With that conditioning, we learn to scan all the time for what can go wrong, so we can prepare for the worst. Negative expectations become a habit that is also reinforced by the trauma-related experience of getting triggered. Every time we struggle with a trigger, the negative loops in our brain and bodies get reinforced. In Tamara's own trauma recovery journey, she realized that even after years of erasing triggers, she still had expected negative experiences, even after trauma was no longer part of her daily life. The reason that your trauma was traumatizing is that as it happened, you knew that something wasn't okay. This is your wisdom self. And it is your wisdom self that holds hurt, fear, and anger because your wisdom self isn't encouraged to come forward. Tamara guides you to return to that wisdom and to acknowledge and honor it and trust it. Valeria interviews Tamara Ridge, the author of Gratitude and Inner Wisdom Journal for Trauma Survivors, with prompts and educational support for self-guided healing. Tamara Ridge is a survivor of childhood trauma who knows firsthand how childhood experiences of trauma perpetuate into romantic relationships that repeat the patterns of childhood because the relationship skills needed to survive a harmful childhood aren't the same skills that lead to healthy, safe, secure adult friendships and romantic involvements. Like many marriage and family therapists, Tamara pursued her career as a therapist from a subconscious drive to resolve her own painful experiences and try to correct the harm done to her by healing the world. She became a licensed marriage and family therapist over 25 years ago and has since been extremely disappointed with what the mental health field has to offer survivors of childhood trauma. Armed with a unique approach that combines lived experience with self-healing practices and a sharp research mentality, Tamara created the Trauma Ease Method to empower trauma survivors to systematically eliminate the impact of trauma in their lives. She is the founder and director of Trauma Free Nation, a closed online social network where members actively benefit from the trauma erase method, as well as support from Tamara twice per week via group Zoom meetings, where members are empowered in applying the principles in their personal healing journey. Tamara is also the author of The Inner Wisdom and Gratitude Journal for Trauma Survivors, which is featured in Tamara's weekend mini workshop that helps survivors reconnect with their inner wisdom that was lost because of trauma. Meet Tamara at centerforhealingtrauma.com. Here's the interview with Tamara Ridge. 
in your own words, who is Tamara Ridge? I would say, so professionally, I'm a therapist, marriage and family therapist, but I think I am a person who is really fundamentally a spiritual healer. I got my methods and the, the experience of healing myself through a spiritual process and intuitive, although, you know, as a professional licensed marriage and family therapist, you don't put yourself out that way. That's sort of my secret sauce behind the mm. curtain. <laughs> I love hearing that. I don't think it's a belief system anymore. It's a, a knowledge that we are spirit beings here experiencing this human life. So I love to hear that. And with that in mind, how do you define spirituality? What is spirituality to you, Tamara? Ah, that's an interesting question because my, my journey of spirituality has gone through several twists and turns. I was raised in a church that I'm no longer part of and, you know, do separate between religion and spirituality. But I think most of the experiences I've had in my life, I've had a lot of I grew up with a lot of childhood trauma, and I really believe, because from the time I was, I don't know, 18 months old, I knew that I couldn't trust my parents, and because of some of the experiences that I had had. And so where does a baby develop safety when they don't have it in their parents? Somehow, I new to reach to a different energy. So I've felt spiritual influence in my life from the time I was very, very young. And so for me, it's connection with, I call it God or universe. I, I think everybody has a different word for it, but I think the energy is the same. And so I think that I've had, because of the things that I've been through in my life, and you know, sometimes we have, I call them, the extreme moments in living, those extreme things that most people don't know or don't experience. Like when I was two years old, I was run over by a flatbed truck by my dad. When I was five years old, I was mauled by my grandmother's Australian shepherd and needed plastic surgery on my face and throat. Um, and through those experiences that were the earliest in my life, And then later experiences, um, my, I, it's a funny word, salvation, not in the Christian sense, but my ability to heal and grow and now to come to this place in my life where I have peace has really been related very directly to how closely I connect myself and keep myself connected with the source or the universe or God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and even sometimes without prayer, it's this openness in my spirit to wanting to receive and wanting to be guided. And so that's what spirituality is for me. It's a it's a connection, really. And it's not it's not connected with the spiritual house a person may choose to go and sit in to try to reach God. Right. It's much more, I think, an attitude and a an openness to feeling. I have been looking for healing my entire life, trying to find 
that um, something or someone that could heal me. And I tried a lot of, um, so many methods, except for therapy, as I mentioned off mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. I tried everything, changing, making so many changes, art, you name it, relationships. And then now, I mean, it just resonates so strongly when you say, yeah, this connection to feelings. And that goes back to what spirituality is to me, which is the path of self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. The more you know yourself at all levels, the more you find the peace that you speak of, because it's here, it's not out there. It has been always with us, but it has been covered and denied by all these traumas that we've been through. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad to hear, Tamara, that we go through all these things. And then I often wonder, why do we have to go through this? This painful experience as a human being to rediscover who we really are, which is the essence, you know, this beautiful self that's wise, as you say in your book. I love the way you call it the wisdom self. I think sometimes when we go through excruciating pain, we ask that question, you know, instead of yeah. what now, we say, why, why, why? Yeah. And I, yes. I think that for me personally, and I think that this is an answer that everyone has to come to on their own, but I firmly believe, maybe I say I know, the reason that I've been through everything that I've been through and the reason I was born with the intellect that I was born with and the reason I was born to the family I was born with was so that I could receive the trauma erase method and teach other people to heal. I I absolutely believe that with my whole being. That is so interesting. So going through everything we go through, even making these choices, which a lot of spiritual philosophies, they agree that we have chosen to be here, to go through all this for a reason. And there is always a reason behind it. So to help others that are here and it's still lost in ignorance, not knowing how to heal themselves. How amazing. How did you come to this understanding, Tamara? Well, it's really interesting because I've always been, I remember when I was 23, so I'm 56 now. And when I was 23 years old, I got married and I thought for sure that marriage would be happiness for me. And Lo and behold, I took all of the traumas with me that came from my mother's home. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Tell me about it. (laughs) Right. It followed me, right? They tell you that everywhere you go, that's where you are. Uh, Yeah. So I, I started paying attention. As soon as I started noticing that, I thought the first thing I discovered was that no matter where I was, I'd gotten, we, I'd gotten married. We had this beautiful house. But whenever I was alone, the noise inside of me was so loud that I couldn't tolerate any silence around me. So I would turn on the TV downstairs full blast when I was alone and the radio upstairs so there was never any quiet. And when I noticed that about myself, I said, wait a minute, there's something going on here. What is this? And I started to, and of course, you talk about never being in therapy. I, when... The first family therapy didn't happen until the 1980s. And even some of the famous people who are are famous for having written books about trauma, 
they were doing that at the same time I was studying my own heart and saying, why am I so scared all the time and what's going on for me? So I would say that my process has been a really a, a, a what I call an unloading, no, an unfolding of awareness and bit by bit, a little bit at a time, becoming more and more um, connected to what actually helps me heal versus what hurts. When I became a therapist, nobody taught me how to heal trauma. But I started to really dig into it because it wasn't enough for me. A lot of therapists, including the ones I had been to, never gave anything beyond surface level, level answers for how to stop being in so much pain and fear all the time. And that wasn't good enough for me. And so I started to really dig in and study and use my studies with clients and notice what was painful or scary to me and start. That's why I say the intellect, I have a scientist mind, but I had to understand why my own emotions felt out of control all the time. And what did I need? I really believed that if God placed me on this earth, it wasn't to suffer with all the stuff that was happening internally to me. There had to be answers. And I did not settle or feel pacified when anyone said, well, that's, a, that's as good as it gets. You have to learn how to live with it. You have to learn how to tolerate it. No, not good enough. So I just kept studying and trying and figuring it out and trial and error until I would say the trauma erase method actually came into being probably around 2018 when it just all came together in a way that I went, ah, here it is. But literally I would get up at four o'clock in the morning with these downloads and start writing notes and start I just put all of the pieces together and said, okay, these are all of the pieces that are needed for a person to be fully supported to heal their trauma deeply and permanently. And then the the crucial piece was um, there's sort of the crux of the process is learning how to heal triggers. And I was working on a business project and I was following a online coach who I was paying handsomely and um, I didn't know it but her strategy was to give you almost all of the information and leave gaps on purpose that if you wanted to um, have those gaps filled you have to fly to Australia and pay her three thousand dollars and she'll give you the rest well in that space I found my childhood trauma showing up and telling me things like, this is too hard for you, can't do it. And then doing kind of trauma habits that my in my family growing up, people didn't talk about feelings. People were getting hurt, but nobody talked about it. And food was being used as a way to cover. So, of course, now when I'm following this coach who's not making giving me all of the answers, although I'm paying her, and um, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm going to food and I'm thinking, wait, what's going on here? And so I started to dig deeper to, as you know, probably refuse to eat over it so I could see what I was feeling. 
And then I, that's during that literally two week process, I had been, every time I got angry because I was sitting at the computer telling myself it was too hard for me, I would go and eat roasted salted nuts, you know, by hands full. And, um, in this process, I figured out what it was that I was feeling. What was I saying to myself? Where did it come from? What were the exceptions of to, I can't do this. It's too hard for me. And the exception was that I do hard things and they are hard. They are fun for me because they're like puzzles. And so I developed these six steps and within the process of two weeks, completely eliminated any urge to ever overeat nuts again, ever, right? And so I I literally went and said, what did I do? I stood in front of the whiteboard in my office and wrote out the six steps. And I said, oh, that's those are the six steps for healing a trigger. And since then, I've used them over and over, taught them to people. And they have absolutely been nothing I call them a download Nothing short of a download from heaven going, here it is. Here's how you do this. And um, it's been, it's been life changing for me and many people who I've taught it to and supporting them how to heal these things. It sounds like you've been in touch with that inner wisdom that you speak of, which is mm-hmm. we call divine God the inner Mm -hmm. voice, the universe, but it's one and the same to me. So Mm -hmm. what it seems to me is that that part of us, it's complete, it's whole, and it's, um, of course, already healed. There's nothing to be healed there. So it's waiting for us, the other parts of us, to kind of pay attention to it or turn the attention to it. And that's what you've done from what I hear. How wonderful. Thank you. One of the things that I teach people when they're open to spiritual principles, because I, you know, these things you hold close to your chest until somebody says, let's talk about spiritual things. <laughs> but I, I really believe that um, the place where God speaks to us is very near the place where we experience feelings in the solar plexus. And we have to develop as a spiritual being, there's a developmental process of understanding the difference between our own feelings and the voice of God. And when we're able to do that, healing takes place. And sometimes when we learn to heal, when we learn to hear the voice of God or the universe in that space, that provides clarity that helps us see this is real and true. This is not real and true. And then we can follow what's real and true to healing. And I honestly believe that that has been a huge piece of my own overall process. I would love for the audience to know about the connection between the book that you have written, Gratitude and Inner Wisdom Journal for Trauma Survivors uh, with prompts and educational support for self-guided healing. And also the method that you just mentioned, the uh, trauma race method, and also the trauma-free nation community. Are they all interconnected? Yeah, they are connected. Ah, Yeah, they are. So uh, I wrote the Gratitude and Inner Wisdom journal because 
my life was beginning to turn around and I was starting to have much more joy and happiness and safety than all of the other things. And I noticed that even though I was safe and I was, um, there was nothing to be fearful or, or anxious about, my trauma brain was still very much on alert. And so I thought, well, let me just start a gratitude practice. Well, gratitude practices are great unless you have childhood trauma and a trauma brain that comes online and says, yeah, but why should I be grateful for that when this happened? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I found that in order to really do the gratitude work, first work, the first work that has to be done is really recognizing that trauma is something that is related to perception. If a person has something happening to them and they don't perceive it as trauma, then they don't have any of the trauma symptoms. But if we if we do experience it as trauma, so usually when things happen to us in childhood, if we're connected to that center as a child, some people are taught not to connect to their center as a child. Those people have more difficulty identifying when something happens, that there's a disconnect between their own inner wisdom, that their child wisdom, and what's happening to them. But when you connect people back to that, and their ability to know what their childhood wisdom was, that's when they say, oh, look what happened to me, and that was trauma, and I have been injured, and this is not okay. So the Inner Wisdom Journal is really for helping people get back to what they know is true. One of the the most healing things I've ever witnessed is when a trauma survivor gets confirmation that they can believe that they weren't wrong, that they were right, and that it's okay to be upset about that. And so that... That workbook is part of um, the guided healing that I help people do within my community called um, Trauma Free Nation. Trauma Free Nation is a community where I see my vision is, maybe it's not my vision, maybe it's the universe's vision and it just moves through me, I don't know yet, (laughs) but it is a place where we can develop a common language for healing trauma. My belief is that we 100% were born to heal. Just like, you know, if we cut, if I cut my arm and it starts to bleed, I don't need to do anything to help it heal except keep it clean and safe. Right? And, and when we've been harmed emotionally because of things that happened to us when we were children, there is also an innate healing process. But the thing that happens is culture tells us it's not okay to talk about our feelings or a therapist says you'll never heal. You just have to learn how to deal with this. Or um, people say in the current culture is, oh, I'm privileged, so I shouldn't be feeling sorry for myself. Um, You know, all of those things prevent us from hearing what's real and hearing what we needed in a way that allows us to go back and repair those in ourselves. And so 
Trauma-Free Nation is about all of us developing camaraderie and language around this self-healing process. And the trauma erase method is simply, uh, it, it has 12 modules within and lessons within those modules inside Trauma-Free Nation. And it it is simply a very detailed, structured roadmap for self-healing from trauma. So we start with um, helping you understand the difference between what the trauma brain is saying and real time and how to not let the trauma brain um, sidestep what's going on in reality, reducing reactivity in the body to traumatic memories, getting a good handle on stress, understanding our feelings, the ones we can trust, like the ones that are in the solar plexus that do are right next to the voice of the universe versus feelings that come from the trauma and recognizing what trauma habits are, how to um, stop them and understanding how the trauma impacted our basic needs. And then when we understand how trauma impacts our basic needs and we have a structure for looking at what our basic needs are, then we can anticipate where trauma responses might happen and be proactive about healing them. And then the next module is six steps for healing a trigger, which is crucial. It's the pieces that I've already told you about that I went through so that I'm not um, I'm not swimming in nuts anymore. <laughs> Working those steps together as a group and understanding our feelings. So one of the things that happens in therapy is that therapists believe that if we can just emote about the things that happen to us, then we will heal naturally. And that's not true. Um, there are three kind, kinds of feelings. And if we respond to any one of those three kinds of feelings with an inappropriate response, then it maintains the trauma responses instead of healing them. So we have here and now feelings that are not impacted with trauma that help us make decisions in the moment that are good for us. There are feelings connected with trauma, the PTSD feelings. Those, you learn how to target those triggers and heal those triggers. And then what happens after you've healed a trigger, it's the most beautiful thing, is the body releases the emotional energy that was holding that trigger response in place. So for some people, it's laughing. For other people, it's crying. But it's kind of the the kind of release that you feel when you when you've had to pee too long and you go finally and go to the bathroom and it yeah. feels better. Yes, it's yeah. that kind. It's not a it's not a cry that hurts. Right. It's just a cry of release. And then suddenly you're free to do the things that you weren't able to do before because now you can see developmental gaps that you had. You can see so right. You had trouble making friends in the past because people told you that you weren't, you know, you weren't good at making friends. You release the trigger and then suddenly you you meet somebody and you go, wait a minute, I had a lot of friends. And now you realize it's easy to make friends if you're not believing something negative about yourself that you were taught. So all of that, I, I think I was long winded, but that's what I help people through every week. We do zooms and record them. Um, and they stay inside of trauma free nation 
so that people who are studying can continue to study. They do it at their own pace. They do it fully supported. But I even have people, I have one person who's been studying with me for over a year in Europe, and she's never come to a live, but she's always there and giving feedback and has grown tremendously and without therapy, which is, you know, it's, it's a powerful experience. And I almost don't want to take credit for it because it's, again, the reason I'm here and have been through the things that I've been through is so that maybe I could be the one holding this. When you say self-healing, there's something very powerful about these two words when they come together, self-healing, because, yeah, we are healing ourselves. And as you described beautifully about when the body is hurt, then it heals itself. We don't have to do anything. And emotionally, too, which for me was leaving my family. Do you encourage the trauma survivors to be in touch with the family members, even though they are not healed yet? I myself have not stayed in touch with my family because they are the same people who um, inflicted the pain and they have the same patterns that they've always had. And I was the scapegoat. I was the one. And so I'm still the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And, right? So yeah. I let them. I let them. I think, that, I think that making the decision to leave the family, as you already know, is such a hard decision. And it's a decision that is not made... Um, impulsively. It takes a lot of time because it has its own grief connected to it. And being able to do that and, you know, I got a message, I don't know, two and a half years ago from the universe saying, leave them to me. But it was after quite a long personal struggle to figure out how to create space so that I wasn't consistently being hurt over and over. So when I'm working with someone or when somebody's inside trauma for nation and they haven't made that decision, they haven't made the choice to, to separate from their family. I always say it's an individual choice. And if it, there comes, because you know, there's always hope that they'll change. There's always hope that they'll change. And so if somebody's still holding hope that their family of origin will change, then I'm not the person to tell them that they won't. But when they're ready to say, I can't do this anymore and I have to protect myself by creating more space, okay. I'm also there. One of the things that really resonates with me incredibly, I think, yeah, you do have that in your book, so again, the title of your book is Gratitude in Inner Wisdom Journal for Trauma Survivors. And you say emotional boundaries, they're very important to create. So that's something that really helped me incredibly. It still helps me to this day. It's not an easy thing to do, to create that distance and say mm -hmm. no when I really mean to say no and yes when I mean to say yes. So talk to me about emotional boundaries and how do we learn to establish them, to trust actually ourselves enough <laughs> to create those boundaries? Mm -hmm. uh, the part about emotional boundaries is later in the gratitude journal where it's talking because it works its way up the hierarchy of needs and our emotional safety is so important. And in families where, and in relationships as an adult, there's so much more harm that's done 
by the emotional things because when we're taught these these kind of sloppy emotional boundaries mm, yes where i i have to take care of other people's feelings or i'm a bad person or you know it's not okay for me to say no if somebody else really wants something even if that means i'm being hurt and so it goes back to the wisdom you know there's there's when we're 2 years old universally we all learn to say no and we all learn to say mine and I do it. We all <laughs> yes. do, right? But yeah. if we're not supported in that autonomy, then we stop asserting it. And so being able to set emotional boundaries is really a matter of, again, listening. When you're with another human being, and that human being creates a sense of dis-ease in us, we have to look at why. Right? Are they trying to get something from me? Are they trying to manipulate? Manipulation is trying to get something you need from someone without telling your needs directly. It's trying to, to get it in some other way. And when we feel those things, it's absolutely okay to say no. And I'm not comfortable and even... I'm going to come back to you with a decision. I'm not sure right now. All of that is okay. But it starts with two things. One is paying attention to that place in our solar plexus that says, ooh, something's not okay right now. And then the second part is giving ourselves permission to say something. And that might be dealing with trauma triggers. It might be saying, wait a minute. I'm really afraid to say no. If I say no right now, then somebody's going to hurt me. And being able to tell the difference between is that real right now or is that something very old? Most of the time it's old, right? And so when it's old, being able to say, okay, that's old and that's where my six steps come in. That's old. It doesn't apply right now. So I got to teach my trauma brain that it's safe for me to say no. And then set those boundaries because we're listening to ourselves. So there is a process to it, of course. Yeah. It's not a place that we arrive at if there is a destination for it, just uh, right away. It's something that takes time. Yeah, in, in work and effort and commitment. And I absolutely agree. It has been my own journey. And that has been one of the hardest ones, the most challenging ones to know, although I do know that's a no, but then there's uh, the other side that's very natural, feels very natural, this desire to connect with other human beings and mm -hmm. not to let them down, not to um, mm -hmm. cause pain. That's a tough one. It still is. <laughs> Try not to be responsible mm -hmm. for people's happiness. And it's an interesting one. Well, the truth is really, we unless we're doing something overtly hurtful, saying no doesn't hurt another person. But we've been taught that. That's one of those shoulds that we grow up with until we start learning to confront the, la the language and the lessons that we were taught growing up. Then it's impossible. And the interesting thing, you talk about your family, we get much better at setting those boundaries emotionally with strangers once we've learned how to do it with the family we grew up in. Ah, uh, right. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a good practice in a way. We practice with the family and then we take that with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really love your wisdom. This wisdom that comes through you, which to me is universal wisdom, universal truth. It's just so lovely to hear, to be reminded of. Because sometimes we are not in touch with it all the times in the day, every moment. I listen to you. It's like listening to my own inner wisdom. It's just mm. reflecting oh, thank back. you. Yeah, it's beautiful. No, thank you. So thank you, Tamara. And let's see another part of your book that caught my attention. I mean, there's so many beautiful quotes. I call them quotes. I just see that it's just wisdom and statements in your book, but I call them quotes. You say Mm -hmm. self-healing must include a nurturing, positive relationship with your body which is what Mm -hmm. you've been saying. And then you also say your environment can either provide comfort or remind you of chaos. Mm -hmm. So true. And then you also talk about something that caught my attention. Emotions and money are very closely linked. I would love to hear more about that too. Mm. So it's interesting because our, our emotions, if you think about it, very few people are um, mindful and purposeful in the way they spend money. They either spend it as a reward for things that they think that they shouldn't have had to gone to go through, and they do that in a way that is compulsive and overspending, or yeah. they'll be they'll be very um, restrictive and fearful with money. And all of that comes from the way we grew up. All of it comes with the way we grew up. It's interesting because I'll just tell you a quick story. My um, my mom was, it was my mom who was the one who was abusive. And my dad was very um, non-protective. And every year when Christmas came around, I always got the most gifts. And I I think it was a message, right? feeling bad. She, I think she felt bad. And every year at Christmas, that's why I, the one that she ended up compulsively spending money on. Well, as an adult, I found that every year when I went back to my family, I was the one buying these extravagant gifts for every person in the family. And what came back in my direction was nothing. (laughs) And then I had to explore that and go, wait a minute, what does this mean? Oh, value is placed on me if I can give good gifts. That means good gifts means that I have a a value as a human. And so I kept spending the money. And then I and then I realized the connection between that and what my mom had done to me. And I went, Oh, <laughs> this have, oh, this is a compulsive activity. I'm not doing it anymore. And um, we can, in any of the way that we spend our money, if we listen to, I call it body history. If we listen to our body history, what our body knows to be true, what we sometimes don't want to listen to. But if we listen to history of emotions in our body connected to things like money, it will uncover what our emotional patterns are. I like to tell people to do what I call a body history timeline where you write down the events that are associated with, in this case, money in your life 
on a timeline where you can look at major events where money was involved. And so in this case, giving lot, getting too many gifts at Christmas time, right? That, that's a money issue and associated with being hurt consistently. So if we look at the timeline from the time, say you're a child to how you're using money now, there will be patterns that are similar between the way you use it and the reasons you choose to spend money or not to right now mm-hmm. and things that happened when you were young. Wow. That is amazing. I never thought it that way, but it makes a lot of sense, of course, which I have to go back to it and do my homework, <laughs> <laughs> the timeline again and, and see and compare them. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything that we left, that you left unsaid for today's conversation? I think that what I want anybody who's not who's healing from or trying to heal after childhood trauma to know is two things. One is you can do it. You were programmed and understanding how to follow your body's programming for healing is essential. If you do that, then healing isn't as hard and it's not as scary as you expect it to be. The second thing is if you have a therapist who isn't helping you, who you're not noticing that you're making consistent progress and I would say that unless you are a person who's um, having real trouble with suicide and, and, and super impulsive activities where you're having trouble managing your behavior on a consistent basis, that takes a little longer to work through. But if you're going to a therapist and trying to heal childhood trauma and it's not happening and you're spending a year, two years, three years with that person, maybe you are with the wrong therapist and you need to look for someone who can help you heal more quickly because it doesn't have to be a 20-year process. Yes, I love those messages, right? The body wisdom, listening to your body and find a guidance um, or guides that can take us to a peaceful place sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I agree a trillion times. Thank you for saying that too. Mm-hmm. What do you love most about being in a human body today at this moment? (laughs) (laughs) I love that question. Um, I, you know, I, it's interesting because I, in my, in my journey, there were eating disorders and there was harming my own body. Those things happened in my younger life. And I recently, I love that my body can take me through all of these journeys and now I know what it's like to feel joy. I just recently picked up the piano again after a lifetime of, I I started playing when I was eight. I had lessons till I was 16. I um, then I had a professional teacher when I was in my 30s. And then about 10 years ago, I stopped playing because the piano reminded me of the trauma that I had. I'd been using the piano to help me with trauma. And then the piano started reminding me of all the trauma, so I stopped playing. Um, and I've picked it up again, and I'm feeling joy again. And I'm, I love that I have eyes to see, and I can go outside and hear silence, and that I can play piano. I've only been playing for about three weeks after a ten-year um, separation, and so that I can get pleasure from 
clumsy fingers on the piano. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what I love, that the experiences as as terrible and excruciating as were the pain, moving the pain out of the way and healing allows us to really feel equally intense joy. And I'm so grateful for that. I would say the joy that you speak of can flavor everything else that happens around us, whatever life brings. Yeah. What is another word for life? What comes to mind? Another word for life. Experience. Again, I want to thank you for your presence here today, for our conversation that felt very easy, but all the conversations I have, they do feel very easy to me because they are coming from the heart and I can feel it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this, the same voice, just kind of reflecting back, as I said, about the, the inner wisdom. I really appreciate that. And I want to thank you again for being open to life and for being here in a human body <laughs> in this shared reality. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for the invitation to share space with you today. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, your work, services, and future projects? So um, I have a YouTube channel, and it's easily found Tamara Ridge Trauma Recovery Specialist, or they have new handles now, so Tamara Ridge at Trauma Erase Method, and um, also centerforhealingtrauma.com is where a person can go to learn about joining Trauma-Free Nation. And I've, I've recently stopped doing Facebook and Instagram because it's a competitive um, sort of too focused on, on, you know, climbing on top of someone else energy. So I don't do that anymore. So it's really just YouTube and Center for Healing Trauma. Wonderful. Now have those links on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Tamara. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Tamara Ridge and Trauma Free Nation, please visit centerforhealingtrauma.com. You can also find Tamara on Facebook, YouTube, IG, and TikTok. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.